A man had two sons. A man had two sons. I trust when we hear those words proclaimed in this gospel from Luke, we know what's about to come next. This incredible story of these two sons and the father. Some have made the argument that this story of the prodigal son from the gospel of Luke is the greatest story ever told. And not just a great story or a parable from Jesus, but the greatest story ever told in all of history. And I think for us, if we listen to this story, this parable, through the eyes of faith, through our own personal experience, we can come to say and probably agree with the sentiment that yes, it doesn't get much better than this that this is indeed the greatest story ever told. Now, I think oftentimes when we approach the story of the prodigal son, at least from a teacher or preacher perspective, we take the approach of doing this, describing the two sons. And we propose the question, so which son are you? And I've probably given homilies like this before, where we try to explore and to name which son I am. Am I this younger son who has basically preferred the things of this world over my own father's livelihood, saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now rather than at the end because I prefer these things in this world to you. And he took them and squandered them and lived this life of total dissipation. Which son are you? Or are we this older son, right? This older, angry, pouty, jealous son. The one who says, I didn't even get a fattened calf for my friends and you've done everything for this. I'm not going into the house. Once again, which son are you? Are you the younger or the older? Like I mentioned, that's typically the approach we take when we hear this gospel. But I don't know if it's the best one, and here's why. Trying to figure out what son I am and you are, older or younger, is not a shocking thing to do. There's no surprise to any of that. Do you know why? Because we're both, aren't we? And we know both. There's times where we are this younger son who have wasted what God has given to us, who have lived this life of dissipation in one way or another, and there's times when we're the pouty, jealous, angry, resentful, bitter, older son. We're both of them. That's the point. But again, there's nothing shocking or surprising about that. So for me to end there would be a great travesty because there's more to this story. Everyone, the story of the prodigal son is not about the sons. And I hope you saw that coming. This is not about the sons and their sinfulness and their bitterness. This story is about one other reality, namely who? The Father. He is the star. He is the one where we should be totally shocked and surprised and saying, Lord, have mercy. This is God the Father. This is God the Father toward me. This is God the Father toward humanity. This is God the Father in my life right now, no matter where I've been or where I might go. This is God for me. 
Now, we oftentimes miss this, or maybe we catch it, but the father, of course, was doing what when the son decided to go home? The father was waiting, wasn't he? The father was watching, and the fact that the father caught sight of the son from a far way out, what does that tell us? It tells us right then and there that he was probably watching the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that, and from the time the son left, the father was watching and waiting for his son to return, and once he catches sight of him, what does he do? He takes off and runs. And again, we miss this, but in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish tradition, guess what? Men do not run. They don't. It would be totally inappropriate for a father, a dignified person, to run. And yet it shows the relentless, unabashed vulnerability the father shows toward us. And he takes off and runs and kisses and hugs and embraces and says, Welcome home, son. Welcome home, you. Welcome home, me. This is where you're meant to live. In the embrace of the father, in the house of the father, in the care of the Father. Everyone, again, that's us. It's where we're meant to live. Now, why would the church propose or place this great story in the midst of our Lenten season? It's very intentionally placed on this fourth Sunday of Lent. It's part of the reason I'm wearing these ridiculous colors. Okay, the fourth Sunday of Lent is halftime. It's time to look back at the first half, where our first half game plan was very simple. I hope you caught it early on here. The first half game plan was what? Conversion. Personal conversion through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, turning away from what is not of God and turning back to the Father. That was the first half game plan. I hope you've been doing it. But now it's time to focus on the end game. The end of the game, what do we focus on for here on out, half number two? Well, what does Jesus have his eyes on right now? What Jesus' eyes are on is Jerusalem. What Jesus is focusing on is Calvary. The cross where he will give up his life so that we may be saved. His focus here on out is the cross. And what the church wants to do by providing the story of the prodigal son is to show you and I this is about God doing what he's about to do. The relentless, unabashed mercy of the Father. The Father sending the Son. The son saying, I will give up my life for my people so that they may have life. So if there's any doubt in our hearts about God the Father's care for you, if we're suspicious of God, what Jesus wants to show us and share with us here is this is the true God. This is the true Father. This is the Father that we live for, and this is the Father we want to see. So whatever in our said heads say God is not good, 
Whatever our hearts say, God is not for me. Read this passage again through this eyes, this lens of faith, that this is the Father toward me. This is the true Father. This is the Father who Jesus does the will of. And this is the Father who cares for us in a most surprising and shocking way.